Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Okay, so today we're just going to dive into it. I believe that God's kind of just uh, already started doing some work on our hearts this morning. And uh, I don't want to come to you with a, a gimmicky message and miss a moment. Um, I'm not trying to be creative this morning. I'm not trying to just uh, to fill in a time slot. But I do believe, as I was praying about what to share, you know, Pastor Aaron asked me to share, usually he'll give me like a direction. Hey, I want you to, this is the target, let's go there. But it was like, man, this is what, this is what God's telling you to share on. And uh, honestly, immediately I, I felt this come up in me. But as I was praying about what to share and how to share it, um, I just, I, I want to encourage you this morning that real victory is a real possibility. Real victory is a real possibility because we serve a real God. We serve a real God. And as we were talking about a little bit ago, like, you know, you've heard, oh, the God of the Bible, right? Have we heard that? Oh, the God of the Bible, the God of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who, who did this, the God who performed that. We think the God of the Bible. Yeah, that's, those are awesome stories. It's amazing to think that the God of the Bible is the God of your life. The, the same God, the same God that split the seas for Moses, you know he can do the same thing for you? Isn't that incredible to think of? And I know it might be very elementary. Yeah, we know it's the same God, same God. What did I say before? We got to peel back some layers. We got to peel back some layers because to some of you, you might just let this hit your ears and fall off because, yeah, we know that. Come on now. We know that. The same God, we, we get it. Some of you, maybe you haven't heard some of these, um, these stories, some of these um, things of the word that we're getting ready to talk about, some of the, the areas where God was really faithful and God came through. Maybe, maybe this is all brand new to you. Maybe you're the one with the advantage this morning over the ones that have just been churched forever. Sometimes we can, we can. We can build walls, we can have layers, and we can judge and have our own opinions. But until we peel back those layers of our own opinions, of our own thoughts, then we will not experience real victory because sometimes we think, well, that was the God of the Bible. That was the God back then. He doesn't know my mess, as if your mess is too big for God. Right? And I love this. So, so today... I'm going to title this message, Back to Your Future. Back to Your Future. Now, I have not seen the movies. That's not why I named it that. <laughs> Back to the Future. I've not, I've really not, I've, I've seen, I know, I know the DeLorean. That's a really cool car. Um, that's not why I named this, this message, Back to Your Future. I named it that because I, I truly believe that God wants to take us back. So he can take us forward. That when we're up against situations and trials and hurts and, and tests and, and battles in our life, sometimes we have to look back before we can take a step forward. So we're calling this back to your future. Sometimes, I, I, I think sometimes as believers, just as humans, I think I, I would call it the batter's box faith. Let me explain it. We're scared to take a swing, but we want to be on the team. Right? We're in the batter's box. We're in the dugout. We're looking, man, it feels good to wear the jersey. Oh, it feels good when the game's over to be recognized as, you see that? That's my name. I'm on the team. But when you're up to bat, Oh, I don't know if I could do this. When God calls you and pinpoints something in your life to say, hey, I want to do this in you. No, 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 no. I, I, hey, I like going to church. I like wearing the Christian jersey. I'm a believer. I'm, I, I've got what it takes. You know, I, 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 I'll go serve. I'll go help. I'll give. I'll even give money. But I'm, I can't do that. We've got comfortable in the batter's box. And we've gotten... We let the devil defeat us when we're up to bat because we don't think 
I, you can't. You don't think you're good enough. You don't think you're able. Well, my past tells me this, and uh, I, I, I can't take a step and do that. God, do you know who, who you're talking to? Does that make sense to anybody? Where you're standing, and you're waiting, and you want God to do something good in your life, but you're scared to take a swing. Your faith is enabling you, or your lack of faith is enabling you to just stand and be comfortable. Once again, we got to peel back some layers. How many in this room would say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to give me a testimony that leads people to you. Come on. How many? Yeah. Right? We want the testimony. We want the testimony. We don't want the test. I'm guilty of that. I'm so guilty of that. God, I want to be used by you, but then you go through something. (laughs) Can you... Save me from this, God. Save me from this. Let's flip, flip the switch a little bit. What if he doesn't want to save you from it, but he wants to save you through it? What if the thing that you're begging God to take from you is the thing, the very thing, that he'll take you through that leads to your testimony, that leads to your breakthrough, that leads to your miracle. So today, we're going back so we can go forward. Now, I'm going to start from the very beginning with a guy that you've probably heard of named Moses, right? So Moses, I'm going to have a few different examples today, and we're going to move through these because I want to get back uh, to some worship. And, uh, but today, we're going to start with Moses. So some of Moses' strengths, well, it kind of started, he was the baby in the basket. Do you remember the story where he got saved? put in the basket, sent down the river. That's, that's Moses. He was the prince of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea with his staff. God used his staff in his hand and parted the Red Sea. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? He led the Israelites out of slavery, out of bondage. He carved the Ten Commandments into stone. This is Moses. Now, we think of Moses and we think, dude's a stud. Like, the dude would just do anything. He, he's going for it. Are you kidding? Like, he had, like super big favor with God. That was like God's boy. God used Moses to deliver all these Israelites. But can we, can, we, can we peel back a layer here and maybe see how Moses, how the stud Moses, the one that God used to deliver a generation, how we're probably not that different. We're probably not that different. Brief description, Moses is known obviously for the deliverer, for a whole Israelite generation. Um, He was the prince of Egypt. He wrote the Ten Commandments. God split the Red Sea using his staff. Moses was obedient. He was faithful. But here we find Moses, and Moses is leading his father-in-law's sheep on the other end of the wilderness. He was in hiding. This is before God called Moses, right? This is before God really asked him to do anything. He was hiding. What had happened is he killed an Egyptian. He was the prince of Egypt. He killed an Egyptian, and now he thinks, I, I've got to hide. I've got to hide from my life, obviously, but I've got to hide from God. I've shamed God. He's in hiding. He's leading sheep, and he notices. He's probably like, what's that? What's that smell? It smells like something's burning. What, what is it? What? Looking over here, and he notices this bush that's on fire, and probably wasn't that uncommon because it's in the desert, right? You know, when things get hot, they're really dry, they catch on fire. When he gets closer, he notices this bush isn't, is, is not being consumed. It's not burning up. See, God was, God was trying to convince Moses. God knew the thought that Moses had was shame, regret. I can't be used. So he burns, he, he's speaking to Moses in the middle of this burning bush. And it said at that point, he begins to call Moses, tell him, I want you to lead my people out of slavery. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. In Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, this is God. So go. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. Come on. Say, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, you would think, this burning bush moment, 
his answer would be, God, you, you, you still know my name. You still are concerned about me. You know where I'm at. His, his, his response is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of, the, out of Egypt? Who am I? Have, we, have you ever said that to yourself? Who am I? But who am I? God, look, look at me. Look at where I come from. As Pastor Aaron would say, it's kind of the wrong side of the tracks, right? This isn't, this isn't my lot in life. You can't use me. Look where, I, look where I've come from. But then he, he, he begins to describe. He said, Moses, I'm going to be with you. We pick this up in, in verse 13. It says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, then, God, then the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? God's response, Moses, listen. Just tell him, tell him I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I want to stop here, kind of pause. Moses focused so much on the I'm nots. The I'm nots. Yeah, God, who, who am I? Who, who am I? I, mean, I? Why would you ask me to do something like that? And God tells him, hey, I'm going to be with you. Moses' response is, well, who am I going to say when they ask me, how am I going to respond? His questions had everything to do with him. Everything to do with him. And God's response was, it wasn't, hey, tell him you are has sent you. Tell him the I am Moses has sent you. Tell him I am not have sent you. Tell him all the negative things. No, he said, just tell him I am. Yeah, but that's not specific. It, it's as specific as you can get. Because everything that you think you're not, God is. God is. The I am has sent you. I love it. Keep, keep going down. We're, still, we're in Exodus 4 now. This has gone on back and forth. And, and it says this. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Now this is when Jesus, or this is when God starts doing miracle after miracle in front of Moses. He asks him, what's in your hand? A staff. We'll lay it down. It turned into a serpent. We'll pick it back up, turn back into a staff. He said, hey, put your, put your hand, put your arm in your cloak. Now, pull it out, and it was, it was leprosy. It was white. It was sores. And God said, now put it back in. Put it back in. Pull it out. It was healed. God is showing Moses at this point. If the burning bush didn't convince you, let me show you some different things. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So, now, God has Moses convinced, hey, I am God. I can do this. I, I can use you, Moses. This is me. It's not you. But now, Moses is thinking of excuses. Yeah, okay, I, I see. Lord, I, I believe you're, you're calling me. I believe that this is you. But I, I, I can't speak that well. He just keeps moving down the line to everything he's not. Everything he's not. That's me and you. That is me and you today. God has something in front of you. God has called you to something so great. And you know it's real. You know it could happen. You don't believe it could happen through you. Because we don't believe the I am. We believe the I'm nots. So he tells Moses again that he will be with him. Pick this back up. He says, now go. Look to your neighbor and say, Go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses' response. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Now, we just talked about Moses. He's the one that parted the Red Sea. He's the one that led a generation out of bondage. This is the beginning for him. This is the beginning. This is how it started. Lord, I can't. I'm not. I won't. You don't know who I am. You keep going through the story. God allowed Aaron to come alongside Moses to speak through him. Which means the plan of God for your life, it will happen. Whether you reach a point where what we talked about before, I'm going I'm to empty myself. And Lord, I just want to follow after you. Okay, sometimes that's what it takes. 
Sometimes that's where you need to get. But today, honestly, I believe that God wants to revive some things in your life. God wants you to focus on not the I am nots, but the I am that I am. I can be everything you need me to be. The first point today is unqualified but called. Unqualified but called. So we talked about some of Moses' strengths. Let's talk about some weaknesses. He killed an Egyptian. He hid from God. He felt shame. He had no confidence. He couldn't speak well. He doubted his worth because of his past. Man, peeling back the layers today. You think you have something in common with Moses? Maybe a little bit? Maybe one or two or all of them? And God used him to lead out an entire generation. Your gift doesn't qualify you. Write that down. Your gift doesn't qualify you. You know what? Your belief in God doesn't qualify you. The devil believes in God. You think the devil believes there is a God? Absolutely. Why is he trying to get you to forfeit every plan that God has for your life? Because he knows there's a real, there's a powerful God. That doesn't qualify you. I love this. As we, as we move forward, like, God loves it when we're, when we're empty. He loves it when we're empty vessels. That's not, that's not a negative empty. That is a, Lord, I can't do this without you. I don't want to take another step without you. In the word it says that, you know, a house is filled with useful things. Some for, basically, some, some for throwing away trash. Some fine china for using for serving. But it says, rid yourself of all of these things. So that way you could be a vessel, honorable and suitable for the work of the master. Rid yourself of all the things that are telling you I'm unqualified. I can't do it. I can't have it. Because I guarantee you, each and every one of us have a sea that needs parted in our life. We have something that we're up against that we feel like, man, this is impossible. But I'm telling you, God will use wherever you're at if you open your hands. We're not led by this. This is the devil, right? This is the you aren't. This is the I am. This is the you can't. This is the I can. If you're being led by a pointed finger, you're being led the wrong way. The devil comes to accuse you. You're not this. You're not that. This open hand. When's the last time that you actually just reached out and took an open hand? Took the invitation. What if feeling unqualified is exactly where God needed you to be so he can part the sea in your life? What if, what if where you're at right now, if this relates to you, now we'll go through some different examples. What if this feeling of being unqualified, feeling like, man, I, I can't do it. Maybe that's exactly where God can pick up the pieces of your life and begin to use you. Because why? You're not full of yourself. You're not full of the I cans. Now, we can do all things through Christ, but that's through Christ. When we come with an attitude of, I can, I can figure this out. I can do this. I have this. Oh, have you seen my track? Yeah, we're in good shape. I have the talent. I have the ability. I can do this. Well, good luck. Because you're the source that's going to keep you going. You're the river that will run dry. You've got to be the energy. You've got to be the source of what sustains you. When we say, God, I can do all things, but yeah, it's through you, and I'm an empty vessel, and I feel like this, I feel inadequate, I feel like I can't, well, maybe that's exactly where God needs you to be so you can say, so he can say, okay, accept my open hand. Meet me at the gate of your heart. Let me lead you through this. That's Moses. We're going to keep moving on. We're going to keep moving on. Story of Gideon. Have you heard the story of Gideon? Anybody know of Gideon here this morning? Y'all are sleepy this morning. Y'all are a little sleepy this morning. Story of Gideon. Here's some strengths. He led the Israelites out of oppression. He defeated the Midianite army of 135,000 with just 300 men. 300 men. 
Now we can say, man, he's a great warrior. Gideon, are you kidding? What faith it would take. He started with 32,000. 32,000 men, and God split them up. God separated them. Hey, this is too many. This is too many. Gideon's, what, 32,000 against 135,000 men? That's too many? No, that's too many. we got to keep going down. Said it went down to like 22,000. God, nope, 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 nope. we got to separate these. This is too many. This is too many. What God was saying is, hey, listen, what you're about to do, it's got to be so evident that I was with you and that you didn't have a hand in it. Because at 32,000, you still have the possibility of physically, in your own strength, overcoming this army. At 22,000, it's a long shot. But you still have the possibility of defeating this army in your own strength. Now take it down to 300. 300 men with 135,000. Now you would think... Gideon's this guy that's, let's get to work. Let's go. How can we do this? God, I trust you. It's going to happen. Check this out. This is, this is Judges. Um, well, I, let me tell you about the, the, the Midianites. The Israelites were in bondage to these guys. These were oppressors. They were, they were punks. They were bullies. And the Midianite army would come in and steal crops, would completely annihilate Everything that they've worked for, it said that the, the Israelites were hiding in the hills, hills in caves. They built shelters. They were, they were punked by these, these guys. And finally, the Israelites opened up their mouth and said, hey, God, we need you. We need you to do something. And this is where Gideon comes in. It says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said this. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt. We just talked about this with, with Moses. I brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I even said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you lived. But you have not listened to me. He had to remind them that he had already shown up for them. I've already done this. Look back. You can see my faithfulness. You can see my history. I delivered you, but yet you still find yourself in a place that you need me again because you forgot. You forgot to look back and remember so that way you can move forward. You forgot. Today, have we forgotten everything that God's done for us? Have we forgotten what he has provided in our lives? And I love this. It says, Uh, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's response sounds so familiar. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. "But But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. God came to him and said, Hey, I'm calling you to do something. Gideon's response I'm going to complain. I'm going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victim. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon said, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Victim. It's victim. You're basing what God can do off of what you've experienced in your life. The Lord answered, Gideon, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. This is the one that with 300 men defeated an army of 135,000, and this is how it started. This is how it started. Point number two, outnumbered but on track. Outnumbered but on track. Have you ever felt like you're right on the edge of your breakthrough? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm, I'm there? I, I, it says that, that when they went to battle, that they were looking down on the Midianite army. They, they saw their camp. They saw what, where they were about to go. They saw where they would have to trust God the most. Are you stuck there? Are you stuck looking at the situation 
Are you stuck looking at the battle? Are there more people against you than what you feel like are for you? Who do you have in your corner? Who's behind you? Man, it looks really, this situation looks really bad. The doctors are telling me this. I don't know how I can face something this big with just the amount of news that I've had. Or a broken relationship or a financial issue. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. This is, this is too big. This is, this is too much for me. How, how can I overcome an army that looks like it's so vast that they would just swallow us up? Maybe today, that's what you're facing. Maybe you've just been diagnosed with something. Maybe you just looked at the bills stacked up compared to the income that you have coming in, and it seems like there's no, there's no way. There's more, there's more against me than there is for me. How am I going to find a way out of this? Some of the struggles that, that Gideon had was when God came to him, he was fearful and afraid, and he actually was hiding. He was hiding from it. He was afraid of it. He doubted God. He forgot what God had done for him and the Israelites before. And there was more against him than was for him. Do you find yourself in that similar situation? And I would say the same thing about being unqualified. What if, what if being outnumbered, what if, what if your situation when you looked at it and being outnumbered was a sign of position, not a problem? What if that was intentional? What, just like Gideon, hey, you've 35,000 men, you've got 32,000, you've got, you've got too many here. We got, we got to make this more impossible with you. So that way, whenever I defeat the army on your behalf, I get the glory. Do you find yourself looking at the problem and letting the problem bully you instead of focusing on the promise that's connected to that problem. Because everything that you're facing in your life is connected to a promise in the word of God. It's connected to a promise. And when we fail to look back, when we fail to remember all that God has done, then we'll find ourselves looking at the problem as if it's the end result. This will never happen for me. Because I've forgotten you know, sin, sin is something that, what? It separates us from God, right? It, now, now, Jesus defeated sin on the cross. We are no longer under the power of sin. Sin does not defeat us. But it is something that if we allow to happen in our life, it can separate. It can cause a distance. And I think as a believer, the greatest sin that we could allow in our life is the sin of forgetting. What separates us from God? What separates us from believing that God can do it now? It's forgetting that he's done it before. It's forgetting to look back and say, you know what? I'm not going to focus so much on this problem. Maybe, maybe when we're up against a wall, when we feel like we've got nowhere to go, maybe that's because we need to take a step back and revisit some of these things. Okay, Lord, you see what I'm up against here? But this is what you brought me through yesterday. I'm up against a diagnosis here, but this is what you did for me and my family before. And Lord, I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm going to look back and be reminded of the promise that you've never left me, that you've never failed me. And I'm not going to allow the sin of forgetting to separate me from the promise connected to the problem that's in front of me. He had to take them and remind them of where they were at. So we've got unqualified but called, outnumbered, but on track. Let's look at this story, story of Lazarus in the Bible. Now, Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, it says that they were dear friends of Jesus. They were dear friends of Jesus. And, and Jesus was out ministering, and here Lazarus became ill, and Lazarus died. He died. It says that, that he died when Jesus caught word and made it back to the gate um, of that city, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Four days. Like, that seems like a pretty 
impossible situation. Actually, it said when, when they sent word to Jesus that he basically stayed for two more days before he went to the city. Could that tell you, hey, I want this to not be because of anything else. Let's let him be dead for four days, then I'll go resurrect him. His disciples are like, man, he's already dead. Like, this, this is going to be a stinky job. Like, do you really want this? No, four days later, Jesus shows up on the scene. Four days. And he told his disciples, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait this long because this will be good. This will be really good because you disciples have started to kind of just get comfortable, kind of doubt. You've had some questions. And I want this to be a sign to you. I want you, when we go to the city, four days after Lazarus died, I want you to see what I'm about to do. It says that when Jesus finally arrived in the city, Lazarus had been dead in his tomb for four days. So here's some strengths of Lazarus, okay? You say, how can a dead guy have strength? Here's some strengths. Lazarus and Jesus were close friends. There was proximity. They knew each other. It said that Jesus loved Lazarus, that he was close to Lazarus. And I think this story of Lazarus, different than the other two that we've heard, kind of maybe means our relationship, maybe you're, you've got a really good relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've walked with the Lord for years and years and years. You've gotten comfortable with him. But maybe you find yourself in a situation that, God, like, I thought we were close. I thought, man, I thought I was a good Christian. I thought I, 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 thought I had this down. I mean, I'm, I'm a faith person. When things happen, I speak in faith, and they just they, they open up. But what if, you're, what if you're in a situation where you're just, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what this is going to look like. Lazarus is... He's a dead guy. Four days he's set in that tomb. We pick up this story when Jesus arrives at the gate. It says, when Martha heard, this is, this is Lazarus' sister, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Man, it sounds a lot like what we just read about. Everybody complaining about, well, if you would have done this, and I can't be used because of this. But she answers this. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus came to the gate. He waited at the gate until he was greeted by someone that gave him permission to do the work. Martha came and said, Jesus, like if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And in Jesus' mind, maybe he's thinking, uh, Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't going to happen. Are you going to allow me in? But she answered it. But I believe, but I still know, and I believe that God will give you everything that you've asked. Keep reading here. It says, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up, they went out too. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. Now these are professional mourners. These are people that were around Mary, that were crying with her, that were, were sorrowful with her, that were probably taking on second, third, fourth offenses with her. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, if he would have been here, if he would have been here, this would be a totally different situation. Mary, we understand where your pain is. We understand, yeah, this shouldn't have happened like this. They were professional mourners, people that followed her, that got in her situation. She was friends with Jesus. She knew Jesus. She knew about everything that Jesus did. He loved this family, but yet she's found when he enters the gates, he's, she's mourning with those that are around her. Who do you have around you? Are there professional mourners in your life? Are there people that you run to and say, man, this is bad, this is real bad? Are there people that are petting your problem, that are trying to justify your problem. 
goes on to say, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along her with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and in tr- and troubled. He was troubled. There was no faith here. It says, where have you laid him? Jesus is saying, where, where have you laid him? Okay, I'm sick of you doubting. I'm sick of the lack of faith. Yeah, you've got mourners around you. You've got people who are petting this problem. Listen, if I'm coming to do a work, show me where he's at. Show me where he's at. The people that were around Mary were petting this whole issue. And Jesus has about had enough of it. Some of those Jews said, hey, listen, he, he did love, but he's, he's opened the, the eyes of the blind. Like, he is, he's made the lame walk, and why is it now that he's decided to forfeit this miracle in your family that he claims to have loved? Point number three, unresponsive, but on time. Unresponsive, but on time. Some of Lazarus' struggles was that he was dead for four days. That thing was, was dead for four days. Maybe those dreams in your life, maybe, maybe the call of God on your life, maybe we've gotten so comfortable with where we are, maybe our proximity to Jesus has really caused us to doubt whenever he doesn't show up when we want him to. Whenever the thing that you're believing for doesn't happen when you want it, you begin to wonder, I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. You begin to surround yourself with people who are petting the problem. You begin to, to think it's never going to happen. Maybe you get comfortable there. Maybe you just know God as, you know what, God, yeah, you were faithful before, but this time, man, you are not, you are not responding to me. I feel like I can't get an answer. I feel like it's just not working out for me. God, are you, are you sure? Like, you, I feel like you've forgotten about me. I'll quote Garth Brooks in this. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. But isn't it the truth? And you said, woo. That, I mean, that's a, that's, you know we're in the country when that happens. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. What if, can you look back on your life and, and see a situation where if God really would have given you what you were wanting, how it would have destroyed you? How different your life would be right now? Aren't you thankful that sometimes when we ask for God to do something, thank God he's on his timing and not our own? And this was a situation where, yeah, we read and we go on and we read that, you know, he stretched out his arm. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is living. He's alive. But... It's easy when you're reading the word and you're reading these stories. I found it in my, in my own life. Like, even just studying these things out, it's, it's, I would think to myself, man, it would have been crazy for Moses to give up. Man, can, we probably wouldn't even know who Gideon is if he would have given, given up. And you know what? This, this Lazarus thing, man, it was dead. It was, we know the end of the story. But you know there were real feelings involved in these stories, Right? There was real mourning involved. There was real trusting. There was real issues with feeling like you're adequate enough or feeling shame or feeling regret or feeling guilt. These, these were real, real problems. These were real things that people were facing. And it's easy for us to look at the story and say, yeah, it's crazy. It would have been absolutely stupid had Moses just packed his bags and said, you know what, I'm just going to tend to these sheep. You can keep your burning bush. You know what, I left the staff there. You can keep your miracles. I'm walking away. Why? Because we know the end of the story. You know how ignorant and how crazy it would be for you to quit? God knows your story. And the same God that delivered the Israelites through Moses, the same God that brought victory for Gideon, the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead is the same God that's right in the middle of your story. And how will your story end? You're living it. There's real emotions. There's real things. 
But if we're going to overcome those things, sometimes we have to look back and say, God, if you did it for them, if you made a way for them, and if you are the same, then surely you can make a way for me. Surely this thing is not too big for you. Let me ask you, in the absence of answers, where do you run? In the absence of answers, who do you run to? You know that silence has a sound? Think about that. Silence has a sound. When he is silent, what does it sound like in your life? When, you, when he is silent, when you feel like he is silent, what's going off up here? What's coming out of your mouth? Because often in the sound of silence is what gives God the permission at the gate to come into your situation. Silence has a sound. And I think sometimes it sounds a lot like complaining. It sounds a lot like, well, God, if you'd have done this. It sounds a lot like he's extending the open hand, but our silence points the finger. When all along, he's saying, if you just trust me. I know it doesn't make sense, but if you just trust me. In our silence, sometimes that's, in his silence, sometimes that's our greatest opportunity for the sound of worship, for the sound of thankfulness, for the sound of remembering what he's done. That could give us the strength to take another step towards what he wants to do. Now I've got a bonus point for you, okay? We're going to get ready to worship here. But we can't give all these illustrations and all these examples of people in the Word without coming to the most important person that we read about. And this is Jesus praying in the garden. Now this is Jesus. We can talk about strengths forever. But this is the miracle worker. This is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world, right? This is Jesus. In Luke 22, this is him praying in the garden before, hours before he gets crucified. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Basically saying, God, I don't want to do this. I know what I'm about to do. I, I, I know the pain. I know the shame that comes with that. I know the, the process that this is going to take. And God, if there's any way, please, please pass this cup. Take it from me. But nevertheless, it's not my will, but I want yours to be done. This is the greatest example of what faith looks like. It's saying in the presence of a problem, not my will, but yours be done. In the, in the midst of looking at some of the things that you feel like are dead in your life, the relationships that you're not going to get back, the things that have haunted you for years and years, the things that you can't let go of, the things that you, you base your, your future on because of how prominent of a mistake that you made in your past, what God wants to do through you, the testimony he wants to bring to you, we're, we're face to face with the test, and a lot of times we say, God, just take this from me. Take it from me, and we stop there. When's the last time we said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but... This isn't about me. Not my will, but yours be done. See, the struggle that Jesus had was he's about to be crucified, and that cup that he's talking about is the cup of suffering. I know what I'm about to endure. I know the pain it's going to take. I know exactly how this is going to play out. God, I know you're playing through this, but please just don't let me be a part of it. But if I must, I'll do it. Now, are you thankful that he did it? Have you ever gone through something and you didn't really know how it affected you until you heard about how it affected the people around you? Like coming out of addiction. You come out of addiction and that, that struggle in your life, that place of suffering where it met ahead and, and said, okay, I'm either going to keep down this path or I'm going to go the other way. 
How many people have you been able to touch, to witness to, because of what you went through? Your pain is connected to people. Your pain is connected to a promise, but it will be used as a testimony so others can see. We are here thousands of years later talking about the problems of people. Why? Because of how it ended, of the promise that was connected to it. We're here because Jesus in the garden said, not my will, but yours be done. It was connected to something bigger than them, bigger than him. And thank God we can stand here and it's easy for us to read the story of how it started and judge it on how it ended. Because yeah, Moses, yeah, he, yeah, maybe he had a stuttering problem. Maybe he couldn't really speak well. Yeah, maybe, you know what, maybe he did have doubts and fears and worries. And Yeah, but we know how the story ended. The same, same with you. Yeah, maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve it. Maybe you feel like you've done too much. Maybe your past is haunting you day after day. But until you allow the Lord to come to the gate and you give him permission to flip the switch, you'll never overcome it. And sad, even, even more sad than that, people will not be able to look at your life and say, yeah, man, I'm so glad you went through that. I know it's crazy to say, but man, had you not gone through that, I, I, don't, I don't know what I, what I would have done. Had you not paid the price of that, it wouldn't have been connected to the people that you're leading. So your problems are bigger than you. This last bonus point was uninvited, but on purpose. Have you ever gone through something that you just came out of nowhere? What in the world? How did this happen? Why is it happening to me? Uninvited, but on purpose. The cross, that was uninvited. He didn't want it. But he took it. He took it. And because of that uninvited issue, we can live with a purpose. We can have purpose. We can have hope. Because it's bigger than us. I want you guys to write this down. His battle equals my purpose. My purpose equals his glory. And his glory equals my benefit. His battle, my purpose, my purpose, his glory, his glory, my benefit. It's not your battle. What you're facing today is not yours. Just like David said in the word, the battle's not mine. I come before you in the name of the Lord. He took down the giant. But you have to make the, the switch to look at this. This is not my battle. This is his battle. This, is, this might be my purpose. But my purpose is connected to his glory. And every time he gets glory, it's for my benefit. So in closing, can I just ask you, what are some seeds that you have planted? What are some things in your life that you've planted that have really stopped you from experiencing true victory in your life? What seeds did you plant yesterday that you're now dealing with today? What things in your life have you believed in areas that you've believed the lie of the enemy that you can't? And these are seeds that we just keep focusing on. These are things that have taken root in our mind, in our heart. Like I said, we're going to peel back some layers. But you've never seen somebody disappointed in the harvest if they're planting the right seeds. You won't see a farmer out there shaking his fist in the air in front of a tomato where he planted a tomato seed. What has happened? You won't see, this is, this is how in, in our thoughts, in our minds, in our lives, how we become defeated is from what we're planning. And you got to say, who's planting that? Well, if it's seeds of defeat, seeds of hurt, seeds of being inadequate, seeds of regret, of shame, of doubt, well, that's the accuser. 
So today, as we get ready to worship, as we get ready to sing this song, the same God, I would ask you, let the Lord flip a switch in your heart today. Those deep, dark places in your life that you've hid only to yourself. Can I tell you a secret? He already knows about them. He already knows about them. They just need to become exposed. And today as we look back, before we start heading forward, I don't think you can really experience true freedom unless you're, you're willing in the corners of your heart to say, yeah, these are some things I've held on to my whole life. These are things that happened to me as a little kid. These are things that I've believed. These are the seeds in my mind and my heart that I planted a long time ago that I have based every opportunity. I've based every, every, everything that's come into my life. I've based every relationship off of. These are things that I'm, not ex- I'm, I'm never exposed. I don't want to expose. But you know in your heart the only way to move forward is for you to allow the Lord access into those things and believe that the, the same God of Moses, the same God of Gideon, the same God of David, the same God of Mary, the same God of Lazarus, the same God that sent his son to die on a cross for you is the same God that is in the middle of your story today. He's the same God that if you give access to, he's your way out. Can we just take a moment? Can we stand to our feet? Now listen, as we, as we sing this song, as we worship, I really want to challenge you. If you've got to find a place by yourself, if you've got to come to the front and get on your knees, if you've got to take, you know, take a seat, if you've got to get on your knees before the Lord at your seat, whatever you have to do to shut off the noise of what's going on around you, of the people around you, this is, this is a moment for you and God. This is a moment for you to say, listen, God, I believe that you're the same God and I want to give you access into those places in my heart. I want to allow you to come and flip a switch in my life that exposes these things that I've held on to for so long. I want you to part the ocean. I want you to part the sea in my life. I want to trust you that the battle that I'm up against does not belong to me, it's yours. And whatever you have to rid me of, whatever you have to pull out, Lord, I want you to do that today. Lord, the dead things in my life, that every day that I wake up, I have a a funeral service for. And I look back and say, oh, what if, and if only, and what if I'd done something different, if only, God, you would have come through. Those things, Lord, I, I want to rid myself of them. Father, today I pray that you you see your people. You see our heart. You see our desire and our passion just to allow you access. Father, you stand at the gate. Lord, I pray that we reach out and take that open hand and allow you. Lord, before we take another step, before we go another day, I pray that we give you access into those places in our heart so we can experience a real victory because we know we serve a real God.